Hey y'all, this is Taria. And Akis. And this is Columbus Can't Wait. Either do politics. Or politics do you. Yo, we here. I'm here with my favorite co-host. Hey. And you know some of my past co-hosts, they felt a way about me calling you my favorite co-host. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I can see that. That's crazy. I mean, that, that means that they're under... They're not. They're not the favorite. I am the yeah. favorite. So I could see feeling some kind of way about that. I tell them like Kanye, if you love me so much, then why'd you let me go? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, right. Because we at this point, how many episodes are we in? We're in. Uh, we're in deep. Shit, twenty five. Yeah. Yeah, I think twenty five. Because the first season had eleven episodes, mm-hmm. and then this last one had eleven, and then we had like some one-off episodes so yeah maybe 25 is really bad math i don't know but we're back (laughs) you know what i mean this is after this is post uh season two so um and this is not the beginning of season three so this is a special episode of columbus can't wait and we have a very special guest uh the second most powerful politician in the 13th largest city in america um his words not mine you know shannon harden council president Shannon Harden. Yes. So, no, I well, I think I can speak for both of us when I say we've been um, anxious leading up to this conversation. Yeah. Just thinking about what it was going to look like, what we wanted to talk about, and then also, I mean, it's not very often you get to sit across from. You know what I mean? I mean, Shannon has a hand in a lot of the things that we talk about that we're concerned right. about in this city so it was it was like i felt str- i felt st- stressed actually for a lot of reasons one being that like i think my libra tendencies were like jumping out where i wanted to lo- i want to like make sure that i honor everyone's humanity and that like even though he has this job he's also a human being but also like really wanting to be strong enough and direct enough to like take him to task about certain things that I had questions about I felt like oh my gosh am I really going to be able to to like it was one thing saying it's another thing like doing it Mm -hmm. And so I'm 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 feeling um anxious. And, and that's kind of what I meant <laughs> when I said like anxious is like yeah. for us to talk yeah, you just said it perfectly, but we talk about it often and to be able to directly talk to somebody that can do something about the criticisms. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, there's nowhere to run when you're at Columbus Can't Wait at the Dreamcatcher studio. Like we're here and you're here and yeah, it's a, yeah it's a, I'm feeling jittery, but a I, real space. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but like you said, though, it's not about attacking. It's it's about just having. Real, all right, I'll say this. Our tagline is either do politics or politics do you, and I think the part that we miss. I don't want to be done. Well, I, <laughs> I think the part I that we that we don't represent in that slogan is that it is a two way process. Like right. politicians are supposed to legislate and and you know carry out the laws, 
and then the people are supposed to get feedback on it. And then the politicians are supposed to receive that feedback and then adjust or keep on going. And then we get feedback again. And so it's supposed to be a give and take type thing. So absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that I'm so like over the last, it's been over a year at this point. There's been so much turbulence in this city that I feel so like strongly about. Um, not just what we talk about a lot, like, you know, police violence and housing and all of that, but even just like seeing the violence increase, um, this last year in Columbus, it, it has me feeling very like emotional about it. Mm-hmm. And I was, I guess I'm jittery about like being emotional. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to like... I, don't, I guess I don't want that part of me to show that like I really like I really care about all this stuff so much I don't want to like drop a tear or something and be like what the fuck is going on dude yeah. like <laughs> I need you to do more like I need to be I, I'm putting on my um, I'm putting on my my non-crying professional hat and that's hard for me to do because I wear my heart on my sleeve and if I feel passionate about something it's it's hard for me to like hold back those kinds of feelings and emotions so I'm just trying to self-regulate right now well I think that (laughs) I mean yeah I don't know I told you this um before off air and I'll kind of reiterate here for everybody to hear um you like grown so much as a podcaster like I remember when I first asked you to come and be on the show and you was like yeah, I'm cool. You know, what I'm saying like, yo, please go. You like, you know what you're talking about. You like, you'll be perfect for it. And it was almost like dragging you to the studio. It's like no mm-hmm. video, whatever. Or well, yeah. can we pre-record it? I mean, you know what I'm saying. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah. I don't know. I think that you're really in your bag and your lane and everything here. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Definitely of carrying course, the show. Ha- you I wouldn't me? say you're that. You're like the LeBron, <laughs> and I'm a. Uh, hmm. Malcolm, yeah. we wouldn't we wouldn't be able to do what we do. I'm Richard you. Jefferson. So, <laughs> I, would, so, so I, I wouldn't say that at all. But I appreciate that. Yeah. I I'm just, you know, I'm just here to do my thing. I am feeling like wow, like we we've had some amazing guests on the Bruh. show so far. Like we started this show in like my sunroom in the back of my house. <laughs> yeah. And now we're like in a studio. We got like real it's not just us talking to each other. Like yeah. we got real guests on the show. Like I'm like, damn, who's coming on next? It's crazy. <laughs> who's next? Bow wow. <laughs> hey, I mm, I have some things that I found out about Bow Wow. Oh God. Yeah, it's making me I might have to throw away my stand card, man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm feeling some type of way, bro. Did you know Big Lotto was born in Columbus? I did. Did I know that Big Lotto was born? I did not know that. Come on, I'm Malcolm, bro. What you mean? This is a keys, you know? I'm (laughs) sorry, dude. Let's let's get into it. Before we get into it, I just want to acknowledge with you right now that oh, i heard man. and oh, i know man. that you heard that there's a kanye album oh, facts. on the horizon facts so folks, oh i'm in my bag <laughs> yeah, we might have to have a special episode next week just to talk about kanye I, we're not gonna we're not making a whole episode about kanye Shit. but we're gonna talk about if it's I, I have just decided Malcolm. that i am going to listen to the album so yes we will have no, a little my. little little bits of sound bites about that because i know that you know malcolm is excited oh, i'm not gonna recording lie next i week. am a closet kanye fan and it broke my heart when kanye went down the didn't dark i bring path. you up? i thought i brought you he over went to down the... the dark path and it's broken my heart i thought since. i brought you back to the light though 
I, I wouldn't say that. I'm still I'm still teetering on the edge, but All I'm right. just hoping for better days. Well, this episode <laughs> will become we're we're gonna have another episode next week to talk about the um election up in Cleveland. Um yes. and, and just kind of break it down for you guys. Um and that will be out before the actual um excuse me, the actual election on the third. So that actually might be live. We might do that live, like on Twitter or something. Okay. Cool. Or YouTube. It'll definitely be on Patreon though. So, um, yeah. All right, let's just get into the show. Let's uh, let's stop putting it off. Let's just get into it. All right. All right. All right. First, thank you for coming and doing our podcast. Um, to our listeners, we have a very special. This is a special episode. Um, it's in between season two and three. Um, but we have a very special guest. Um, our city council president. Uh, Shannon Harden is in the building with us, so thank you so much for uh, you know giving us one of your days out of the summer and uh, come and talk to us. Thank you so much for having me, giving me the opportunity to come and sit down and um, uh, just be in community. It's good. Yeah, because we know you just had a baby. I did just have a baby. Thank you so much. Uh, He is two months old and a couple days. um, He is sleeping pretty good though. Really? Yeah, like I helped to raise my uh, nephew. Um, and so I have some frame of reference, um, because back then my nephew was sleeping like two hours. Like, oh, you had your nephew like as an infant yeah, all the time. Wow. Yeah. My sister uh, passed when, uh, 10 days after giving birth to my nephew. And so oh our family God. adopted my, my nephew. Okay. And so we got I'm Christian sorry, at two yeah. weeks old and like he did this wake up thing for every two hours for like three months. And so okay. Noah is just knows his dad's need him to yeah. be like, he knows that we're first time dads knows mm-hmm. that, uh, that he, he's given us a break for real. Okay. It's a blessing. Okay. Well, congratulations. Thank you so I, much. I, we both have children. So I think we've yes. been through the sleeping yeah. pattern and <laughs> crying and watching the sun come up. I heard like, this thing slept. called regression. Like, yeah, that's, that's what keep, happened. I, that's terrifying me. Like, because yeah. I'm again, I'm talking about how good he is, and everybody's like, "Yeah, just wait." No, no, no. Sometimes Listen, they, sometimes they, they said that regress. about my daughter, and she's nine, and it still hasn't hit yet. So. See, that's a blessing. Yeah, and he's a good kid, so maybe he, you know. Everybody said, like, "Just wait." I'm like, "For what?" Like, right. <laughs> she's great. One of the things that I've learned being a parent is that I don't listen to people when they say that kind of stuff. Like, I hear all the time. Like, I have a daughter, and I hear all the time. Wait till they get to that stage where they have. Attitude, mm-hmm. yeah. and I'm like, Wait every kid is different, most definitely. And like, maybe your child had an attitude for a reason, right? Right, right, like, right, right. I, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I am so I'm just like letting her grow into whoever she is, and even as babies, like, it's like, oh, don't spoil them, don't do this, don't do that. And it's like, every child is different, is different. And truthfully, I signed up for this, right? Like, the good and the bad from here on yeah, out, part. like, this is what I wanted, and yeah. This is what this is, you know, this is my, my life, and I'm very blessed to, to have this now. It's a centering yeah. thing, it's a grounding uh, thing for me and my family. So, I'm just thank you for bringing it up, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, I feel like becoming a dad or becoming a mom, it like changes you, and I think that's I feel like when we talked about this conversation that we were going to have with you that was one of the central themes is that like we want to know like how you've changed from like when you got on city council to like today like how do you feel but don't answer that yet i'm just saying like <laughs> mm-hmm. she's giving you a preview even even yeah. i think your personal stuff that you go through yeah changes how you do your job and Most i even definitely. think yeah. even when you're a politician it does so yeah no i couldn't have said that better than Teria just did 
Um, you know, and I think that I met you for the first time, if not this year, then it was last year. But I've been very familiar with you for mm-hmm. like half of my life because I went to school with your uh, brother and sister. Right. Um, and, and so like I've always just known about you. And then when you became city council president, I was like, oh, yeah. And I'm from the south side. You're yeah. a little bit further south than I am. Southfield. Um, yeah. Um, but what I'm really curious about and kind of how we want to start this interview mm-hmm. is like, how did you get here? Like, what does. Yeah. How it, does a kid from Southfield become a city council member and a yeah, council president? Yeah. Um, it Well, it's because of my mom. My mom, um, when I was born in uh, 1987, was the front desk clerk at Columbus City Council. Mm-hmm. And so it really is a full circle for me to, to be the council president now where my mom started. And, um, you know, so she was in City Hall and she worked her entire career in City Hall, always being an assistant, a secretary, but always in City Hall. And so, you know, my mom was a single parent. Um, we lived on Fairwood and Gaunt Street with okay. my grandma for several years. Then we moved to Southfield um, where she bought her bought our home, where she still lives, where my family, you know, grew up. And yet every day she would go down to City Hall, like to this place where decisions are made, where those people you see on TV are doing stuff. And one of, you know, the blessings is, is that, you know, it, I grew up in that building. Mm. Even though I was coming from Southfield every day, driving up South High, or High Street, I, I got comfortable in that building and realized pretty early on that these people aren't any different than us out here. They're not smarter than us. They um, they usually have different pedigrees. They their parents might have been a doctor or a lawyer or whatever, but they definitely didn't weren't bringing anything more to the table than than I I could bring. And so, um, just being around that ever since I was a kid, um, and and so I interned in um, Mayor Coleman's office um, in college. I went to Columbus Alternative High School, mm. and they had a tenth grade uh, internship program. Okay, uh, I started there. They every Wednesday we had to intern somewhere. I interned um, in the Mayor's Action Center. It's the precursor to the 311 call center, the one that we, we yeah. call in now. Mm-hmm. It used to be these four little white ladies that lit, uh, worked in this basement, in the basement across the street from City Hall. That's where I very I got my first start uh, interning. And we would I would answer the phone, people would call in, you know, really bitching about, um, you know, somebody, the, the trash folks skipped their house. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, just really pissed about about that. And what I learned early on was that people were, weren't calling in to actually get their issues solved. They were calling in to register their complaint with the city because mm-hmm. they had no expectation that anybody either cared or would do something about it. Um, and so um, that's where I got, uh, you know, addicted to, to public service was, you know, being able to click over, have the public service department go back out, pick up the trash and then click back over and tell that lady like, hey, if you're home in the next four hours, the trash man's coming and like in a big and small way, change their whole like perspective or engagement with this thing, this entity, the city of Columbus that they never really believed was for them. Like that is what got me um, connected to, to government. I did, I interned there. I started interning uh, in the public utilities department. So my mom being there gave me access. It gave me access. It gave me mentorship. Um, and that was the greatest blessing. Coleman got to see, the mayor got to see me. I be, he, he became my mentor. Um, and when I went away to Morehouse, he told me when I came back home that he would uh, he would have a job for me. He, he looked mm-hmm. out for me. He put me on. Um, and he continued to do that all throughout his career. And, and, and that allowed me to keep moving up. And the one thing that, that still to this day blows my mind and pisses me off so much was um, 
because even though my, my story is a story of access, mm-hmm. um, it's just still a story of a kid from Southfield. They wrote, they read, the, they, they, the dispatch wrote this story that said, my, the first article, that um, a city hall insider uh, whose mom was an executive downtown, um, you know, helped him get, get this, get council appointment. Mm-hmm. My first year working at City Hall, out right out of college, I made more than my mom made, who had worked there for thirty years. Mm. And like, wow. what my mom did was sacrifice for me. Like, she was an assistant; she was like taking care of assholes for thirty years, just so I could have that engagement. And so that that really pissed me off. Like, it really still gets to me yeah. uh, because no one, she she, it, nothing said that I was supposed to be here. Yeah, but you know, it, it, I had access, and that's why I think having access for all of our kids to see these things to get closer to proximity helps you believe that you can do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, not and what you said about actually like getting in the room and saying that people are not like that smart and they're definitely not smarter than you or smarter than like anyone anybody you else. Know, right. It definitely helps to boost your self confidence, right? When you, you, but the problem is, is that a lot of us don't even get in. We the don't room have that access to see it. We don't so, have that like, access. It's very refreshing to me to hear you tell that story and to also hear you say that you understand that you had access, even in some small way, right? Yeah, like, no, it was. It made all the difference. Yeah, yeah. Even with me, like I grew up with a single mom. My dad was locked up most of my life, but there were small things that gave me access to be able to be who I am yes, now. Yep. And it's like, if you can give somebody even that small little morsel of access, because, because what I think sometimes we forget as we move up is that some people are just totally locked out. Yes. They don't ever see anything else. And so thanks for telling that story. Cause that's the other reason why we exist in the way that we do is because we understand that there are media outlets out there in this city that only tell a little piece of the story or they don't tell the story right you don't get any meat you don't get any context right. and so when you understand more about where a person comes from then you can understand more about them so I appreciate you yeah, talking and, about and, your and mom the funny thing they also outed me too now in that, that same wow, article it, yeah it was, wow. but it was fine I mean I was, yeah. I was openly gay but like I yeah. had never like but that was your that yeah. was your I didn't lead with it. I didn't get a chance to choice. talk to talk about it. Right. And which was fine. Like when I decided I was gonna go for city council, I knew that my life was open now. But it was just, you know, the way that they did it, it is still it's one of those things where Yeah. So they outed you in the dispatch, even though you were already openly gay. How do you I, I've always wondered this too about you. When you decided to run for council president or to be on council, mm-hmm. how was it being a black gay man? Because things have changed a lot, even in the last yeah. 10 years. Yeah. How was that? Like, how were you received by the black community? You know, so when I was in Coleman's office, my job was to be the community. I was I ended up before I left Coleman's office, working my way up to director of community uh, engagement. Mm-hmm. I, I was in over his engagement office, had team that, uh, that represented the city. I also had constituencies. So I had the LGBTQ community was a constituency that I managed. I managed the the faith community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so having those inroads, spe- specifically with to our, our, our earlier conversation, at least to the old heads of the old establishment politic, mm-hmm. which were black pastors, mm-hmm. um, having five years in Coleman's office, working for him, ha- building those relationships, um, they knew me as as for, as Shannon first, mm-hmm. which gave me an up, uh, mm-hmm. a hand up. But I, 
I remember soon as uh, when I went to to you do the rounds when you when you mm-hmm. go for these things and you talk to important people. One of these important black pastors told me to say, Shannon, we're not going to endorse you. The black pastor, we're not going to endorse you. We're not going to support you, but we're also not going to work against you mm-hmm. uh, as long as you don't walk down the high street waving a uh, gay flag. Um, wow. And I didn't really know how to take that at the time. I knew yeah, that they weren't trying to hurt that? me. But I actually knew that they were trying to help me, but I knew how it made me feel. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And so I made sure that the very next year as council member, um, I worked, walked in the pride parade and I literally waved a flag uh, in in the pride because of, of that. And so, you know, I, I think that, it was much more talked about back then. Mm-hmm. Like literally folks would, because you're a politician, things that folks wouldn't say to another person, mm-hmm. they feel very comfortable saying to a politician. Yeah. Uh, and and what folks didn't get, uh, again, I was, especially in our city, we have an appointment process. Right. And I came to council via an appointment, mm-hmm. which also, is, I think is a blessing in terms of insight because one day I was Shannon, literally, Somebody took a vote, and then and literally that next moment, I was a city council member. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so like I was 27 years old and a, a kid, really, um, but yet I was a politician representing the city, and so um, folks would be really uh, forward, and uh, yeah. and so I just learned to to deal with it. Like this is part of it, part of me, part of my story. And now I talk about it in front of folks because I don't know there are black queer folks that need to see me in this office and need mm-hmm. to see me, rep- you know, in in representing this role, just so that they know that they can do it too. That's mm-hmm. facts. Like you remember like, at my brother's conf- or not confirmation is a promotion ceremony. Yeah. He said like it was really intentional for me to have it here specifically. This- yep. Yeah, because like people need to know that you know a black gay man is now a lieutenant colonel. colonel. Yeah. yeah, and. I didn't even, because I'm not gay, so I, I don't really, yeah. those type of things don't go through my mind. And so, like, you saying that, hearing him say that. Well, but you do see it as an African-American, as a black man. For like, sure, yeah, I, yeah. You know, I talk about my role when I go to, go to schools and go back to cause or go to Afrocentric, go back to Afrocentric where I went to school. I say that, you know, I run a city. I, I talk in ways that so they, they understand that this black kid that went to their school is doing this. I'm over a $1.5 billion budget every year. Like, you know, I, I, I run the help to run the 13th largest city in the country. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. over the 13th now. Um, we keep 14, 13. Nah, it's cool. I just it's need to update okay. my stat sheet. Don't check it. Nah, it's cool. I be saying the 14. Like, I got a question in here about the 14. I'm going to change it to the 13. Let's just roll with it. <laughs> but um, no, I think that you're right. Like, it is important to like say the things that you do now, and even what you were saying earlier about working in the office that, that turned into three one one, yeah, um, and like how people thought oh, I'm calling in, I'm just registering a complaint. It's like no, there's something that can actually be done about this. Um, over the last couple of weeks, I've realized how much I even myself don't know about what city council actually does yeah. and what city council president does. Mm-hmm. So right now I kind of want you to like talk about what your job sure. actually is. Like, what are you responsible for? Sure. So the way I explain it is the city of Columbus is a business. We are a multi-billion dollar business. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a CEO and that's the mayor. The CEO uh, employs all of our employees that do the service, which is do the work for the client, which is you, the residents. Mm-hmm. There's 9,000 of those employees. They all report up to the CEO, to the mayor. Okay. Um, then you have a board of directors. Um, and I'm the equivalent of the chair of the board. Okay. And so 
Um, the board of directors are city council. Is city council. Um, the mayor can have ideas about his budget, but he has to come to us to sign off on his ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, we can have ideas too, and we can create policy. But at the end of the day, it's the mayor's and all his nine thousand folks that have to implement mm-hmm. our ideas. And it's not, it's different. You know, if I have an idea, I only have my aid to to execute it. Mm-hmm. Versus when you're the mayor, you have the power of the entire city um so is it like the equivalent or is there any type of equivalence between like what congress and the president is yeah it's a check and balance same thing yeah. i mean but you guys are like the legislative branch we are the, you are the yeah we're unicameral okay. so we only have one body one body okay. where they have bicameral where there's two of them mm-hmm. but we're, we are that we are the check mm-hmm. on the mayor mm-hmm. um and then we have a judiciary and which is the uh city, city attorney in the court system mm-hmm. um that that plays a, a the that plays a role here in, in on local government too um, but yeah, we are the check. We are the the board of directors. We are the 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 balance to so he's the, so the mayor is never a king, you know. Right, right, there, right. there is a balance. He has to come to check in with us on all the expenditures. We are the pocketbook. Got gotcha. you. Okay. So like, what do you feel like have been some of your like biggest wins, um, both when you were on city council and then also as city council president? Or do you have any that you're like? You know, yeah, really I mean, I, I look at it. I, I think of this work as in the long stretch, long arch of things like um, one, you got to win the day sometimes like the issues that we are up against are um, not issues that you, you solve in a week or, or two. These are, these are um, institutional um, systemic issues that, that we are fighting against around poverty, around um, racism, around, um, you know, how do we position our, our city for, and so a lot of the things that I've been working on since I've been on council have been in that space. So getting MBK started, my brother's keeper, um, and uh, making sure that it had a home in the Department of Neighborhoods was something that was really important to me. Um, when I started MBK um, back in 2014, we what we wanted to do, what, what was, somebody gave me the advice, we just Give throw some money to an organization, start an organization, and and like then you always have somebody that that is loyal to you and like the, out there doing the work. But I always, I never wanted MBK to become a program. I wanted it to become a promise um, mm-hmm. that we as a community made to Black boys that we will always have their back. Um, and and I wanted it to be a physical promise, like like we are, we're going to have people that are hired to execute things that show. Uh, to create space, to create opportunity for, mm-hmm. um, and and so getting that started um, and knowing that you know maybe I will never be satisfied with its work um, on the day to day is something that keeps me going. Like you know I'm I'm okay with that because I how do you make that promise fully? And because we you keep failing at it, you keep failing, but you keep working towards it. And so so I think working towards MBK is one thing that I am proud of that I think. I want to really continue to lean into uh, as a as a council member, um, as council president. Um, I'm proud of a couple of things. One that we, um, under my my leadership, changed the structure of council. In two years, council will add two members and go to a, a quasi ward system. Mm-hmm. That is something council has not changed in a hundred years. Right, mm-hmm. um, and we pushed that through uh, pretty quickly. We also instituted. Um, uh, campaign finance reform, where we capped uh, uh, donations uh, that that local government, that local politician could get. Uh, I moved to legalize marijuana in the city of Columbus, and we got that done. Um, Wait, marijuana? 
It is. It is the decriminal decriminalized. <laughs> gotcha. You could mm-hmm. be caught with a, I say, a book bag of weed, mm-hmm. and the most that we could do is cite you for ten dollars. Wow. Right. Okay. I think. Yes. I think. I, I didn't know that. that. And and we got the city attorney to say he would not prosecute anybody that yes, was for for marijuana. Gotcha. So there are things that, that thing. yeah, because yeah. it was an equity issue. We were, right. and the reason mm-hmm. it, I pushed it was by that time we started having these um, dispensaries. dispensaries, and yeah. I'm like, there's no way in hell you can have these people who have a car go and have weed on them. Yet you're still pulling over people that look like you and me, mm-hmm. um, and with a scale or something, and like, you know, criminalizing that. Like it makes yeah. no sense uh, anymore. So we got that done. Um, I I'm proud, truthfully. Um, of what we did last year. Like, last year was hard as fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, it was yeah. the hardest thing that I have ever gone through. It was the hardest thing that all of us have ever gone through. Um, yes. And so I don't ever complain about it. I'm not complaining about it. But it was difficult to lead during that period of time. It was difficult to be a black man. Um, truthfully, it was difficult for coronavirus. COVID was, right. as a leader, it was very, that was a lot. It's crazy mm-hmm. that you said that, though. Like, because obviously COVID is... It's COVID, and we're still dealing with it. But I think about regards, when we think about last year, we think about COVID second. Yeah, we think about yeah. The city I think being about like tanks being in the street. You knew exactly like, what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. in yeah. my yeah. mind, there first. You, like you say, COVID. It's like, oh yeah, I guess it did we did do that too. Like, oh, we were second house. We were sick. <laughs> but remember how like yeah, we got the pepper protests spread. happened, yeah. and we were you know that to me is the first thing in yeah. my mind that I go to. And to be honest with you. I've been thinking about this interview for days. Like, it's been in my mind because I knew you were going to be sitting across from me. And there was just moments in the last couple of days that I would get, like, super emotional about it. Because when I have, when we have you in here, I wanted to make sure that, like, I respected your humanity as a person. And, like, you just sitting here saying that last year was, like, the hardest year of your life and was hard for, like, all of us, like honoring that it was hard for you too and having to like lead through that but also like wanting to ask you the question like there's a lot of people that are upset with mayor ginther there's a lot of people that are upset with, with you me. yeah um and your leadership Certainly. through it, particularly even just like one of the things that my mind goes to is like watching you and joyce Beatty. And Kevin, it was a Kevin Boyce. Yeah, Kevin Boyce. Being, you know, pepper sprayed during the protests. And then, like, I don't know, a couple months later, Liz Brown brought up the resolution about trying to stop the police force from using chemical agents. And you wanted to table that discussion. And a lot yeah. of people had questions about that. A lot of people were upset about that. And yeah. even I was upset yeah, about that. Because I'm like, you got pepper sprayed yourself. Right. Like, why are you tabling that discussion? And so, like... Sometimes it's like one thing is happening, but then we see you do another thing. And I just want to understand, like, one, what that was about. And two, like, my question, I guess, is, is like, how do how do you being a son of the city? Right. Like and talking about your story Mm -hmm. that you had a single mom who worked as a secretary and had to deal with probably disrespectful. Yeah rude people like being a black woman at the front desk yes. and being the first person that people saw when she came in yes. and like her stress level is more stressed than probably any of us dealing with yes half making the money that she was making which was likely not much right. to raise you and your brother so like i see a lot of like parallels between like how you grew up and i grew up 
there are a lot of marginalized people in the city who are still in those positions yeah. and they don't necessarily feel like they're heard by you or they're feel, they feel like you're sitting on the fence yeah. and how does that make you feel? What do you think about that? And yeah, t- talk uh, about that. a yeah, little Yeah, no, I mean, I, I get it a hundred percent. I understand their frustration. Um, mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I am um, number two in charge of the, 13 or 14th largest city, um, 915,000 people. That comes mm-hmm. with the responsibility of the safety d- division, the forces. It also comes with a, a real um, a responsibility and expectations about how, how you lead and how you continue to keep the, move the, the city forward. Uh, I cannot divorce myself from being a black man, mm-hmm. and I can't divorce myself from being council president. Mm-hmm. Those, those are two things that are just that now are, are symbiotic. They're, they're the same thing. Um, when I have to, so uh, let's go back to the the. Um, I asked you like seven questions. <laughs> <laughs> but but, I, but I was just getting like. No no no. So let's let's go back to the 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 eighteen twenty nine ordinance that mm. Councilmember Liz Brown uh, uh, put forward. Well, for one thing, folks don't re- realize or remember is that I co-sponsored that with her. Mm. Like that was something that we, that we worked on together. Um, I supported her leadership in getting it across uh, when we started. When by the time we got back from break, I did not realize because after all everything that we had done before break, so I we pushed to to ban no knock warrants. We had uh, moved to decriminalize the uh, demilitarize the the police department using Obama's uh, 2015 order. We had created um, a, a hate group of registry and affiliation, banning that from the police department and changing how they how we source and get them out of the department. And we then created the civilian review board in um, in you know, send it to the voters. Like these are like huge things in terms of police reform that have not been done in a generation. And we got done in six weeks. So I was kind of like, all right, that's just stuff that you're, you said that you're proud of. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. That we had just done mm-hmm. and leading up to, to we had, we take a July, August break mm-hmm. that, that piece, the, the last piece that would, that didn't get done um, was a part that just did not have, enough support and so what i was trying to do was pause to give it time to to build the support i did not know it was the hill that folks thought it was i really did not okay. because at the end of the day like yeah hello i grew up in southfield helicopters are an issue but for real the helicopter is not for me i was like we need to really change the system like mm-hmm. we need to change the nut of it mm-hmm. um and so like, i had put all my energy into the alternative crisis response i thought i believed till to this day that it's not these directives that we need to change. We need to fundamentally transform how we do safety. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't see that, and especially that procedural hold that until we figure it out so I can get more consensus. Mm-hmm. As like the heel, I did not know it was. That people were going to be like. And, and what I learned, okay. because I, I, I my friends are activists. Mm-hmm. And so they were hurt. Mm-hmm. They were hurt. They were shocked, yeah. truthfully. Yeah. And, and shit. I, I was shocked. I was yeah. shocked. I was and shocked I, that know, folks I told felt you, like I, that. This is my first time talking to you, meeting you in person. Yeah. But I was just like, I don't know. Where I don't know this guy. But like, where is this coming from? It feels hey, really. Look, I was Especially mad. like seeing the Twitter visual. Yeah. You know, seeing that visual of you and then seeing that happen. It's like. What I heard after that, because I, I quickly pulled together folks that I trust and, mm-hmm. and that were very upset with me, mm-hmm. was that it wasn't just the policy that didn't get done. It was that folks needed a win. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. felt like that 
was a thing that we could have done that we didn't do. Yeah. And thus, thus we had let something or somebody off. Mm-hmm. And I get that now. I get that that was, uh, uh, but I, I still stick to, I mean, we did, the things that, that, that were important, the most important to me about that piece of legislation, we did through, through, um, policy changes there were already implemented around use of force mm-hmm. um now to the, now specifically because of judge marbley's ruling a couple of months ago or last month um they're going to be much tighter than what we've what we were are able to already do so we're going to tighten those those things up through legislation what we're working that on that mean? now like for the people that are listening to you like what yeah you- we got sued <laughs> the <laughs> city rightfully got sued by a lot of the protesters who were wrong and mm-hmm. our policies our interactions with our protesters um our police force acted in a completely not just outside of protocol but um um in 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 ways that were were illegal so we got sued by um a group of 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 of, um folks in the community um and the judge sided with the protesters with with the community and Mm -hmm. basically said like you have to change your use of force you have to change your operating procedures and like put it into his ruling specifically put an injunction and like you can't do these things and so for us to even stay, um, I forget what it's called, like cool with the law, mm-hmm. we have to, we had to change. And we compliance. had to change. Yeah, but yeah. doesn't that so, like, kind of feel like, well, what would you say to somebody that were to say, well, then that means that the judge is the one that actually brought in the change. It wasn't. But we like, had already done it, though. We had already done it through through procedure, through policy. He just made it even more tighter than what yeah, you did. Yeah, he, he did. He did. He mm-hmm. took it further. So just. Touching on that a little bit, you know that there are Republicans who are trying to make it put a lot of restrictions on how people can protest. Is yes. there is council like trying to or are <laughs> there people on council who are trying to make sure that people still have the right to protest in this city? Certainly. Without, yeah. you know, getting a felony for doing so. Certainly. We have we are doing and have done as all that we can to protect the right to, to of folks to protest and protest in different ways. Like the biggest thing where the city was like tripping was yeah, it was technically illegal to step into it to, to to take the street. Mm-hmm. But like when does common sense come into play? Like, what do you mean when you say that? Like, like when when does it not? When does it make sense? Why? When does it make sense for police to fall back when you're like no one's being harmed but people go in the street? Mm-hmm. Like right. you can't use somebody stepping into the street. Oh, you're breaking as the law. a reason as a use to, to es- escalate them. force. Like it just yeah. doesn't yeah. make sense, right? Unless you're just trying to mess with somebody, right? And so you're, you're militarizing against right the against and literally all the things that many of the things that our police department did that week um, came from people taking the streets. And that mm-hmm. was the justification. That was the justification, the legal thing that they used to escalate. Mm-hmm. That has changed mm-hmm. now. That is against the law. Like in Columbus co- co- code, we, you cannot, the police cannot use though that uh, the street, taking the streets uh, at all as a reason, as a reason to, to engage. Okay. okay. Do you feel like the, the mandate from us and the public has changed one since you became in city council and then became president but even like back before then when you first came in and you were like interning yeah certainly yeah so like can you talk a little bit about how you feel like it's changed and and let me kind of add context to the question yeah um you know i have a lot of political friends um people that are in politics on all levels local all the way up to federal and 
some of the things that some of my friends say to me, it's like, yo, you got to change the system from the inside. You know, yeah. you just got to play the game a little bit and then change it up, like after you get in power and all that type of stuff. And I'm like, man, fuck that. <laughs> Personally, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like, right is right, wrong is wrong. Well, to like, that though, I always say that you got to have some people on the outside, you got to have some people on the inside. Like, we got to play the chess here. Like, mm-hmm. what do you mean by that? Like, um, I am closer to more activists than people know. Okay. Um, like the folks that you have had on this show, because mm-hmm. I saw your list, the, mm-hmm. the folks that blow me up publicly, mm-hmm. I'm also close to, not, no, I won't say that because I'm not, but, but, but we, but we can use each other. Mm-hmm. I, we were able to do things policy wise because of the protest. Mm. It created the space. It created the 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 environment. Mm-hmm. But I still had to be in the room. If we didn't have somebody in the room that could be like those, you know, it's about to pop off if we don't do X, Y, and Z. Um, then you know, then then we 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 wouldn't have real progress. If everybody's on the outside, just pro, you know, pro, then that does not in itself move the you ball. You have to have people in the room. You got to have people in all these different places to kind of yeah. like give legitimacy. Like yo, we had to change things. Like, I'm not giving legitimacy. I'm just. There are decision points all around, like in, in, in having somebody in the room that also has some understanding of yeah, it counts, it mm-hmm. helps, and so um, where I I have never seen myself, I'm not a protester, I've never, I'm not an act, I would not say I'm an outside activist, like that's just not in my comfort comfort zone, like mm-hmm. literally, it's just not how I'm the convener, I'm the conciliator, like let's sit around the table, let's figure out the policy, um, and so, but my lived experiences know that everything that somebody who is sometimes even standing on my desk or protesting at my house is doing it for, I believe in those, those things too. And yeah. I can use that energy to actually move the stuff from the inside. And so, well, yeah, cause it, it, we, we talked when we were talking about season three, one of the things that I said to Malcolm is that sometimes it feels like this is from, this is person, this is a person coming from that has like moved social classes. Um, and I understand that, right. Is yeah. that like even, I can see Columbus like growing up over people and like he, just hearing people talk about the cost yes. to live in yeah. places where I, I'm not from here, but like just hearing people talk about certain, certain places in the city where, you know, where rent we used to rent like the nothing. street that I lived on, live on now long street where we used to rent. Yeah. Um, and where my husband and I, because we have moved social statuses. Truthfully, mm-hmm. I have. Mm-hmm. I'm not where we were when when we I'm were. from Southfield. Was in Southfield, two houses down, just a house sold for eight hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, right. That that for folks who lived there back when I lived there in the nineties, mm-hmm. the late nineties, that is insane. Yeah, I grew up on Parsons and Livingston. Yeah, like the house that like I, I have the most memories in as a kid is now a community garden behind the parking garage at Children's Hospital. Yeah, yeah, and like there's a Panera there. It's completely different. It's just like, I mean, well, Afrocentric's not even there anymore. That's facts. Right. You know? I do just, like the new building. Though, yeah, it's but, better, but yeah. this is point. My husband is from Columbus, so even just like him being born and up, up north and like hearing what they're doing and li- trying to do in Linden and all of that, it's just. Even just from me moving here 10 years ago and seeing how the city has changed and how people are just like struggling to even just like pay rent. Yeah. What do you like? You're seeing a house go up for sale, a couple houses down from where you grew up for almost a million dollars. Like, as a person who was born here, like, how does that, 
what does that make you feel as city council president? Like, what does it make you feel like you need to go out and like, do it? Make sure somebody that that's in charge. Like you say, you're yeah. the second most powerful well, one here. You know? Yeah, but but you also have to take into like account that like these are institutional things. Mm-hmm. Like if, if one person could have solved these issues, you don't think they're good people like one person alone can't can't do it so i think what what you do is you start you you move the ball and you Mm -hmm. come back and you move the ball one of the things we do around affordable housing because a lot of this is the market is changing we we are we are a growing city all of our challenge not all of our most of our challenges from here on out um, and most of our opportunity the good stuff in columbus is going to come because we are growing Mm-hmm. We are going to add nearly a million people over the next 25, 20 to 25 years. Like our kids, we are going to be a big city, much bigger than Cleveland ever was, much bigger than Cincinnati. We're, we're going to be a big city. And so that brings real challenges. That brings real pressures on the market. Like anything close to downtown, just because of, of space, will become ex- much more expensive. And so really our job then is to use policy to 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 help people to make sure that that they don't get overrun by the growth and and with those policy mm-hmm. changes that the city doesn't grow up over, over them, them. Like, i like how you said that on. grow over them yeah um and, and one of my one of my my colleagues my um ladies running for um you know for city council lordes she talks about how the city left people behind they're just right. it's, it's leaving folks behind and, mm-hmm. and from her vantage point there's even new americans behind you know our growth a lot of it is coming from um, new Americans are Hispanic and, and our uh, Somali Latino population, but um, you 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 work at the policy. So one of the things that we we have done is like land use policy. So we started a land bank uh, in Columbus two years ago. Uh, land bank, what it does is hold the value of a of physical land in a neighborhood that is changing is gentrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, then you work with a, a organization, a nonprofit, home porter, or some some agency to build a house on top of it. The house will change in value, but the land will not because we as a community own it. And mm-hmm. so it allows for um, affordability to stay in a neighborhood that is changing around it. We didn't have a, a land bank uh, two years ago. We pushed to get it done. And now we have the largest one in the state of Ohio in two years. Um, is that cha- Is it solving every issue? Absolutely not. Um, but it is, it's a step in the right direction. A lot of folks, you know, um, get really pissed at me because of like abatements and how right. we use uh, policies. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. was that. my next one. Because <laughs> there was this article in the dispatch, like, I don't know, maybe it was last week about people being charged the wrong amounts for like their taxes yeah. in certain parts mm-hmm. of the city. And I thought that was insane because those neighborhoods were like black and brown neighborhoods where generally people cannot afford for that to happen. But certainly. I mean, and I, a lot of our abatement policies, one were before any of us got here, but uh, abatements are, are a tool that, that you use as a community to get what you want. You you f- use it to facilitate a type of building, a type of growth. So like if somebody doesn't know what abatements are, like for our listeners, like can you- Yeah, so you and I buy a regular house. It mm-hmm. is taxed. Um and it is taxed it by your square footage um, over a certain amount of time. Uh, a way to allow for a builder, usually a builder, to build something and get it financed um, easier is for the city to say, we will, for the people that you rent to or sell to, um, we will not tax you for a certain amount of time or a certain amount. So a 10-year, 50% tax abatement. Mm-hmm. So for 10 years, your property, your people won't have to pay taxes. Well, that makes the builder and are really truthfully the lender much more likely to lend and build because they're like, that's going to be attractive to people to come in. And so 
you know, a lot, the, the affordable housing issue is not one that can be abated away, can be just simply built away. Like we have a lack, 54,000 fewer homes than we need in, in, in Columbus right now. 54,000. Wow. Mm-hmm. Like that is a that is an issue that we can't build. Right now we build like 1,400 units uh, a year. You can't, it would take us 10 years just to build enough. So like we're going to need like an all-in approach. Like abatements because it's too expensive to build. Right now, if you just, if we said fuck abatements, we're not doing no abatements, let it, just let the market do what it do. Uh, wood cost, the land, price of the land, no one would build affordable housing at all, at all. There would be no affordable housing because they would build their and, and get it would be they would make their money back from doing high end and and there was a market for it. People and they would just do high end and they would just do high end. Okay. And so what we use abatement for, yeah, they will build some high end, but we always now we we get a mixed twenty percent affordable housing. So all I, I say and, and people can challenge me or check me, all of the affordable housing that we've had built in the last has come from some type of subsidy, some type of city engagement to get it done. Is it enough? Are we pushing for a deep, a deep enough like affordability? Because we, the abatement policy used to be if you build 100 percent AMI, um, damn, AMI stands for it. Uh, average medium income. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was about like, to ask I you what I that meant. You, but... <laughs> he was like, what does that mean? <laughs> my my aide is like really embarrassed because <laughs> but, but like so so we used to be we used to debate for like a hundred percent of like what most people can afford. Mm-hmm. And then and then eighty percent eight hundred and eighty percent of like what most eighty percent of people could uh, yeah. average medium income or whatever Zach is saying behind me. Okay. Um but the truth is, like, most of our, we have so many more people that are at, like, 40% That's what need right. and 50% need and 60%. So the real push should be, and it is, and we're we're, work, we're doing this in city council right now. We don't have, a, and y'all should really talk to the, our housing chair, Council Member Shayla Favor. She is the mm-hmm. deepest, like, advocate for affordable housing. She chairs the housing. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, developers come, and she's like, no, we're not, we're not doing it unless you build 60% AMI. That's what um, I was about to yeah. ask. Well, why not go deeper? But it sounds like yeah, we're we're, try- we're doing that. But they also say, well, then you know, well then give me a twenty year abatement because because they also, I mean, there are just it's realities around. Well, yeah. there's reality around to build. It costs yeah. to build. So like, and the labor to build it. Like, so they won't get financed if they don't have some type of incentive, incentive to yeah. build it. So what do you, what about like the people that live in a neighborhood that's gentrifying around them and they like you know inherited their grandma's house or whatever and mm. now the taxes are going up what's the plan for people like that who may not be able to afford to pay the taxes they're getting code violations all of those things and they want to keep a property that maybe their grandmother paid off but now it's worth three hundred four hundred thousand dollars is there a plan for those people to be able to keep their properties and not be pushed out of a neighborhood or get value out of it. it like you everybody right. should have a right to to sell their you saw a home and but right. but the issue is they're selling it for a hundred thousand dollars somebody's buying it and they're flipping it for eight hundred fifty thousand dollars yeah that's what's not fair and so so you know one of the things that that we that that folks can do or is um homestead like put a cap on a certain type of person's um uh property tax that way as the neighborhood I don't know how people are living in my neighborhood right now mm-hmm. because of the taxes on our on our house. What what my husband and I pay in taxes for our house would price any homeowner that is regular. Like truthfully, yeah. like, I don't you know because right. you have to come up with this money every year. The issue is that's not a city thing. Like we don't we don't 
we're not over property taxes. So it's a conversation with the county and the state. Mm -hmm. And so like the county auditor who does your property taxes did the report. But I'm like, but okay, brother. But also kind of tell how you're going to fix it. Right. You know, because we're not that literally is not us. We so can't do, do that. So do you guys do any advocating around? We, we definitely stuff do, like and that. what we can do because this is is our responsibility of ours is programs around. Like, so if you are stuck, if you're in it with these neighborhoods that are changing, the worst thing they can do is have somebody call, especially one of these new people coming and call code enforcement on you right. because you can't afford to fix the shingles on your house. Mm-hmm. So one of the programs that we did, like we this do, me off so much. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. <laughs> um, in a drive-in park is a, a like a um, free uh, what's it called a roof repair okay like so people can stay in their homes and not have their homes just disrepair and they can get some value like we need to lean into more of those programs we also need more more money at the table and so like we need to be more creative so we need bonding we need to get more dollars in the affordable housing space this is one of our we have a violence issue right now we have a a violence issue right now it's real and and i have to as that that is my top priority as a leader Mm -hmm. is if if we don't have safety then we, we don't have anything but but I do believe that we will. That's a that's another issue we're going to got to solve over a long time. I think violence is connected to poverty. You solve for poverty, yeah. yeah. But absolutely, the sec- our Columbus issue that we're dealing with is housing. That is going to be the ma- major issue because our growth is like a Nashville. I it's just like saw an somebody Austin. on Facebook. It's like a, a San Francisco. It's like two to three years away from like dealing with people, you know, putting up tents and having like tent cities and everything here. Yeah. In and so we have it's to. We, concerning, it's concerning. Yeah. It's extremely concerning, but we have to approach it in a comprehensive way. One of the things that the way that one of the ways that I'm really leaning into this topic is around transit and transportation. Um, we are the largest city in the country that doesn't have um, a high capacity transit light rail right. or some type of way. We can't add um, 800,000 people to our city and not have uh, uh, transit in our city. But the way that you also get transit is to encourage density. So I like, encourage people to live and build closer together and that will actually drive down the cost of building if we uh, put you know build build spaces and allow folks to build six stories you know in 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 neighborhoods but like the truth is the same people who will fight me about wanting affordable housing when i try to put affordable housing in their neighborhood would be like but don't put them right here Mm, and like we as a community have to have that conversation because the hardest thing for me to do in terms of really building affordable housing is to go get it zoned and Mm. and build it Folks do not so ha- right. So so having the conversation with people about like why don't you? What are the reasons why? And like please examine why. Well, that's I think as we are a growing city, I think we talked about that. We're, yeah. we're we're teenagers right now. In larger cities that have this issue, what you start to have are housing advocates who get that housing housing and land use policies are a racial equity issue and then you start to have these people out there that literally beat the drum so when i'm trying to get this zoning passed in a community to build this affordable housing and these neighbors sometimes are even us are like Mm -hmm. don't you know and they they will never very rarely say don't bring those people it's Mm -hmm. just you can't build that it's too high you Mm -hmm. can't there's too that's too many units in there or you know that's a renter property and we don't you know we don't like in new york don't they have like co-op boards and stuff to keep people out and things like that like i could definitely see something like that we are moving in we're going to have the mark as the market changes and the land we're not going to get any more land so everything that we as we grow we're dealing with what we got mm-hmm. we're going to have to there're going to be more and more techniques i think that we need a, a housing czar we need somebody that wakes up every day um that has the power to pull all the resources to work with the auditor 
um, to work with community organizations around housing every single day. So and that's something there. that you, you as city council president, would advocate to get something put in the budget to Most hire definitely. a person to do that job. And we truthfully, we did. Shayla did. She got she got it funded, but. Uh, is it the right person? Is it a person that is big enough? Is it at the office of mm-hmm. housing security? No. Okay. Like, that's only something that, right? The, you know, the CEO can do. So it just needs to be bigger and more comprehensive to 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 take on the challenges the next that Columbus gr- has. What I love about this podcast was the name. Mm. CBUS can't wait. Um, that is the... Columbus, we don't say CBUS. I know, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> CBUS is a very like white word to me. <laughs> I've never yeah, heard like, like so yes. <laughs> we don't say CBUS. But it's okay. No, I get okay. it. I, I know it. what you I'm glad you, you corrected saying. them. Like, I just, <laughs> Were you not going to say nothing? Yeah, I was like, that's nasty. I was just wanting to hear what you were going to say. You would have corrected me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was like, yo, what you about to say? I wasn't going to He might not give us a compliment. It no wasn't more. a compliment. No. No. Right. But no, we appreciate the compliment. It wasn't a compliment. No, but that's our challenge that we cannot wait to do these bigger things yeah. because if we don't do them now if we don't make the investment in housing if we don't make the investment in transit it will get too bad mm-hmm. it will get past us and it that is coming those days we have a reckoning about doing these things um, or because the growth will not stop right but if, if we decide to leave people behind or not that's our decision now one thing I love about what you're saying right now and also what I love about how we even first started the conversation before we started recording it's like yo accountability that's part of the job like 100% yeah, people holding me accountable like that's part I get of, it like I say often on this podcast it's like you can't heal which you never reveal mm. and I feel like so many people all they want is like praise and they want the applaud or like the celebrity is like oh yeah I'm the man I'm doing what I need to do or whatever blah 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 it's like no we just need to get into the room and talk about what's working what's right. not working and like here's what we learned and all that type of right. stuff you know and have the debate have the open mm. the conversation up because I think that we are doing more than people give us credit for um, and and also we could be doing a lot more that we could people could be holding us accountable for specifically. Like, like again, like this, people are like on our necks about housing, but they're not talking about the zoning. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you know what I mean? Like, and that's a very specific thing that would be, literally increase our affordable housing that uh, that folks don't know to advocate for. Well, we're also here as a podcast to make sure that people get educated on yeah. what they can do because the, most of the, the a- activists picture. that are out there are very educated Brilliant. on yeah. the issues. Brilliant people. Um, but the general public is not educated at this level on what they can do to combat some of the things that they, they are upset about. But like, I know for me, just watching you over the years, I do feel like back a few years ago, I didn't really hear you as much specifically when we talk about like the police force or whatever. Mm -hmm. I didn't really hear you as much like criticizing them or like. Saying, you know, things need to change. Mm-hmm. I've seen a progression over time of you being more forceful with your words and more like, yeah. okay, I'm going to yes. take on this entity, right? Yeah. So when he asks, like, how do you feel like the public mandate has changed? Like, I do feel like it's the time for that. And I do feel like you're trying to do that and i've seen your language change and i've seen some of your actions change over time how do you want to be continuing that one and like when you think about your legacy like Mm -hmm. 
What do you want that to be? I want to know that I made it better. And I made it better. I specifically want to make it better for my nephew, Christian, who I talked about, uh, who is a chocolate boy who's going to grow up in the city, seven years old. His mom died when he was a baby. Um, this city right now is will be scared of him because he will be he is dark skinned. He will be tall. Um, he is my heart. He is everything that I live for. He's everything that I work for. Um, I want my legacy to be that this city sees him as an asset and not a liability. It sees him as somebody that all their hopes and dreams are built on, not somebody to fear. And that is in every policy area, not mm-hmm. just policing. Policing um, is critically important and we have to change it. And I think that what has changed in terms of especially my rhetoric and some of the policies is that um, the people give give politicians the power. Folks can say stuff and folks can just yell things. But um, the moment opened up door that allowed us to do stuff. And this is the thing that I will say. I Last year, I knew that we were in a moment in time. Mm-hmm. Where and and this is where folks. I mean, I'm not. I'm, we were in a moment of time where the pendulum of what we could get, we could do, swung so far that I all I knew that I had to do was go as far as I could, just keep on hitting at it, keep on chipping at it, because I knew the swing, the pendulum would swing back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would swing back. Where you kind of already yeah. seen it. It just swung back. Yeah. Let me just tell you. Um, yeah. so, some of the things that we would, in terms of reform, and that's why I still talk about re- reform is 100% necessary, but because of the violence, like it's getting drowned out in reform. We got to yeah. do both. We can't we can't move forward. We can't become safer if we don't continue to reform and get, make ourselves better because we need, a, we need, I believe we need a safety and police will play a role in that, but not if, not unless it is transformed, not unless we transform literally what it means to be police and to not to be a police officer. Um, what it means to feel safe as an individual, um, what it means to for a officer to come out, like what do they respond to? Like if we don't fundamentally change this, then we don't become safer. Um, but I knew that, that that the pendulum would swing and it would swing back. And so what I tried to do was do as much as I could, as quickly as I could, um, because I knew it was important to get it done, and knew that the 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 body politic would change back where it would be not as easy. And what people don't always get, um, especially, if, it's so funny because I like I grew up in Southfield. I thought Columbus was a black city. Mm-hmm. I swear I thought Columbus was a black city. Because you're around black people always, all the time. Always. Uh, from my, you know, when I lived on um, Fairwood and Gaunt Street and went to Columbus Avocentric, when I lived in Southfield, when we lived on Long Street. And then I went to school um, um, in Atlanta. I went to Morehouse and I didn't realize that Columbus was white until I got back. Yeah, um, we're only make, we only make up twenty eight percent of the population. Yeah, mm-hmm. like there's sixty percent of folks that don't look like us um, that are voters and that are right. engaged. And so, what I usually have to do when you guys see me on the news or something, I I have my values, and I'm never going to to waver from my values. But I also have to talk in a way I have to talk in a way that still pulls the entire community along with us. Mm-hmm. Like we have to, we have because for me. I have to be, I'm at the table. I'm in a leadership role. I would rather get something done that is not perfect than not get anything done at all and just felt good because I yelled about it. Yeah. That, that That is my premise. Like, I'm only in this seat for so long. I'm going to still go back. I'm going to go back. I'm not going to do this forever. Are you um, going to run for mayor? I don't know. You like how I just did that real quick? I yeah. asked you real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, he was all comfortable with <laughs> I don't know. That's why I'm good at this. I, I, I hope you can. You know, you know what it is though. I, I believe that Columbus can't wait, 
And yeah. I really do believe that. Like, we have to step up. We have to hey, do this. This guy's good, thing. man. He's about to steal our, hey, this guy's for, good. Our, our name of our show for his camp for his world campaign. <laughs> wow. But no, I. Wait, I, wait, wait. I'm going to ask. He didn't, he didn't answer. Did you just notice he didn't? No, he answered it. You just didn't hear it. I heard him. Um, do you. Well, I'm going to ask because, like, I, I hear what you're saying um, about how you had to, like, push as much as you could. Do you feel like you did enough? You know, or do you have hmm. regrets, things that you left on the table? Do you feel like you did enough before all of the chaos of like last year got to? There was protests and all of that before, right? Like before twenty twenty, because yeah. people like yeah. Kyrie King were killed. Henry Green, Henry Green yeah. was was killed, um, and people were asking. Uh, do you for wish certain- that there was ever times that like you could have did more, or you didn't? I don't think that. I think that what. The art of the possible changed. Hmm. It changed. What was what was possible in in the politic to get something done? It shifted. That gave us an opportunity to go for it. To to go for these generational reforms and changes that are once in a lifetime. Not once in a lifetime, but but that would fundamentally change us. Before 2020, I was not living in that world. We were not living in that world, and so you know you you know I, I think it was 2017 after Henry Green that like. Activists took over city council. Mm-hmm. I was there. Yeah, like stood on. You know, um, mm-hmm. those are all air, like people that and that folks see are are my friend. Like I use that. I was a young council member. We use that to create the that energy. We use that to pre- to to get to to advocate uh, to get the um, civilian working the 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 whole the group that that. Uh, community, what's it called? The Community the Safety Advisory Review Board. Yeah, the community. No, before the civilian. Oh, okay. Review, the Community yes. Safety Advisory Commission. Like yes. we, the people did not want to do that. To somebody mm-hmm. to do a right. deep dive and to give us, and it's those recommendations that we basically were executing last year. So it was mm-hmm. always a step. Like we used that 2017 to to get to the this step, to the next step. We then used that next step to get to what we did last year, and we got to keep on using these to, to move it forward. Was it enough? Was I did I use the language in 2017? Um, did I um, publicly make mothers of victims feel know for sure that I heard them and that I saw them? I'm not sure, and I'm and I am sorry. I and, and that I own that. Um, but I always was fighting for them and for us to move it forward. What do you say to the people in Southfield that feel like, like? All right, he says he's one of us, but doesn't feel like he's one of us. Um, that I'm going to be one of them, regardless of what folks say. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, this title that I have right now is temporary. Mm-hmm. Any title that I have after it will be temporary. The one thing that won't be temporary is where I came from and how I grew up, mm-hmm. and that was Southfield. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, um. Some people say that in Southfield, but, you know, um, I have aunties and grandmas who are not my aunties and grandmas, but folks in Southfield, Mm -hmm. folks on our blocks and our streets that have have always had my back will always have my back because that's what we do in Southfield. I think our the other thing I'm seeing in the city is that like you talked about it a little bit before. It's just like the old guard and the old politic is like. Now it's transitioning into like younger people who have more of a radical idea about how change should happen. Do you 
do you ever think about like your career right like over over time like coming in under mayor coleman and then kind of like seeing the tide shift and like some of these ideas about things that we never thought could happen they're happening like are you excited about that being a person who is the same age as me like this is our time this is our moment to do the bigger things to do the things that fundamentally uh change the trajectory of people's lives and i think that um um, the question is, do we have the guts? Do we do we really have the will to do it? Do we have the will? Um, I think that um, this is an important moment in our city's history. And I think that it's all on the line. And so what we do, how we talk, how we engage um, is important. The one thing that uh, I will always say is that one of the things that is just innate in me, like I am a convenient, like I see myself as a bridge and as, as bringing people together to move us forward. Just bringing black folks together, white folks together, rich people, poor people. We all, at the end of the day, we all got to be together to get to a goal. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always going to be about how do I get, how do I move us forward? And, um, and so, you know, sometimes that means that I'm not as flashy as the person that, that folks maybe want me to, to be or say it the way that, you know, something that one of my friends would say, it, but the, it's the arc of the work. It's the direct. Do you, do, do we have the same values? Are we moving in the same direction? It might, it might not be quick. And it definitely is not quick enough for you and for me. It's not quick enough for me either. But my goal is to do as much as I think that I can get done and use my specific skill set and tools. And sometimes my tools is that as quiet as it kept, like, I'm a little less disarming. I'm just more less disarming than somebody, uh, maybe a newer politician, because again, I grew up in City Hall, mm-hmm. but I also grew up in Southfield. Wait, so. less disarming or more disarming? Less disarming, or more disarming. You more, know what I mean? Like, yeah, like yeah. me coming in. Right. Okay, that makes sense. I can sometimes, you know, just because of my, my personality, how I talk. And so like, I know that leaves people wanting sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But for me to be effective, I can't, I gotta be who I am to use my tools the way that I do it to to move us forward, um, and that and that's why I'm so okay with accountability. Hold me accountable. I don't know some of the questions I had, like you kind of answered them just the way that you was talking and whatnot. Because like I wanted to know like what can people do to like more participate with city council and and, and like, so one of the things that i think that good came out of covid was the the, the virtual aspect of council mm-hmm. it really opened up the ability for somebody a working person to hell just put it on their ear headphones while they're doing something else or yeah. something or somehow be engaged it, it opened up capacity where a public hearing we used to you have to be in city hall and all right. that stuff are you guys going to continue that? we're going to continue those we're okay. going to continue to keep that that open i think we've had more engagement in the last um 16 months than we've had ever Ever yeah. and so, um, but it also means that us as elected officials, us as advocates, us as you know influencers, have to now be willing to slow down and have the conversation, fill in the gaps. Because now what we have are so many new people who are looking at local government who never had engaged before, That's what I was about to and say. so now we have to really slow down and show them how the sausage is made. Like bring them in to be a part of it. Like show them how to use their voice. Um, to move the ball forward. This guy watches Hamilton. I'm convinced. Gosh, have you? Yeah, yeah Hamilton. I, I could the never point. like. Did I ever tell you I just never really got into Hamilton? I know. Really? Yeah, I y'all like don't. I, fuck I'm with definitely me, like a theater kid and I a theater just tell lover. About the way that Hamilton you was talking, is not like, my favorite. But like, I'm whack where I can't like. I'm not a quoter. Like, I never were able to like quote like 
stuff from movies or anything. Yeah. And so like, and I'm certainly not like a singer or anything. So like, right. I like the music. I got what he was saying. Like, I grew up reading. You know. Yeah. But like. I want. I wish I could be like. You caught it on a couple times, like on accident. <laughs> See, like I didn't do it on purpose. Yeah, like a couple times. See, yeah. I just got radar so, for it. But I agree though about like slowing down and walking people through the process. Like I feel like I have privilege. I when I went to college, I studied political science. That yeah. was my first major, and I just have a passion. Like we have a fucking political podcast, you know, mm-hmm. like for fun. Like it's nobody pays us for this. We just come and <laughs> do it. Right. But this also shows the new Columbus. Because mm. we were not doing this five, Real. six years ago. Mm-hmm. But uh, it has to be both sides, though. Like, we can do it, and we're trying to translate, but I feel like there needs to be more initiative from our politicians. It's our responsibility. Yeah. It's our responsibility. And to come to places like this. Like, yeah. like come break it down for us. Like, Well, I always see, so, like, one of the things, so I don't live in Southfield anymore, but I live on the east side. And what I say is, like, I don't need polls anymore to tell me how I'm doing. Mm. Um, I have the Kroger caucus. I go to Kroger almost every day. Go to the Kroger on East Main Street, 2000 East Main Street, almost every day. The know. the one, yeah, yeah, that's when I go the to. The one with the terrible parking. It's line. terrible. Oh the God, parking is absolutely it's insane. It's the worst. Hey, y'all leave it my Kroger. That's when I grew up because in. Because yeah, I, I came, I I used to go to either the par- the Kroger that was like way out south on Parsons. Um, that no, was off um oh, south, south High Street that was like way out. Great Southern. Great Southern. We don't go. Do that. <laughs> Respectfully. <I used> to, <laughs> no, I used to go there during COVID because it would be like empty there. and like nobody would be in there and I wouldn't have to worry about it. And the Aldi was across the street. Do they have vegetables? So I could like, yes. <laughs> so I could like, I could like, you know, get all my stuff and get back home. But I would go to that one. I would go to the one in Brewery District and I would go I to like the Kroger one. on Parsons. Yeah. And no, no and, and the Kroger on Parsons needs to do better because there's just not enough that fresh, is, fresh produce. Yeah. That's a real issue. That like that's, that's not even a yeah. funny issue. Yeah, because if you go to the Kroger on in Brewery District and you go to the Kroger on Parsons, they're like not that far apart, but they're totally it different shows stores. Night and day, it's night and day. Yep, night and day. Yep. Like, yes, they're, they're night and day. But, I go to a lot of Kroger's in the city. Yeah, Main Street has the worst parking, parking lot in the world. The worst. It's, it's, it's terrible. Bad. Yes. So what I was saying though about I call it the Kroger Caucus. Um, people stop me uh, every three minutes in Kroger's, and that's what I. Still, you know, Kroger doesn't have an S on it. You Columbus. I call people. it Kroger. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying, like <laughs> you Columbus. You call it Kroger. I just say Kroger because it's only one. It's, it's Kroger. 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 It's Kroger. And there's a lot. It's of a them. Columbus thing. I told yeah. you I'm not from Columbus. No. Go ahead. I didn't mean to no. <laughs> So, but that's the thing that I love about local government. It's why I would never run for Congress. It's why I would never run for state government. Like, I think you start to lose that dis- that that connection to the people. And so uh, I am held accountable every set every time I go into Kroger. It's like I I people will tell me when like baby I hear you you I hear you fighting for us and then people will tell mm-hmm. me like. Bruh, where you at? And mm. that that is happens every day of my life, and like that proximity to people, I think um, helps helps with the accountability yeah. um, that that I that I need um, to continue to do this job. And I really encourage folks. Like, it is not offensive for you to to hold me accountable. Like that is because it's not just it's, you're not holding me as Shannon necessarily. You're holding me as the role that I Back sit to in the fundraising conversation. Yeah it's, yeah, it's it's all of it. And so I think that it is important. And and the bigger point to holding me accountable, it also holds the system accountable. Mm-hmm. And that the system has to change. And I can use your energy. I can use your activism. I can use your engagement to help change the system. 
Yeah. I I'm was refreshed by hearing about the strategy behind the decisions that you make. I think it gives a lot of whether I agree with everything or I was not, about to it say, gives some clarity. Yeah, I don't don't this is not a rosy picture. Like the things mm-hmm. that we're fighting for are no. are as deep as it gets. Right. Um what I would hope that people and I, I understand I represent 915,000 people. People don't get to see me as Shannon. Yeah. They, and so they don't they don't get to. So I don't blame folks for being like, what the fuck was that about? Mm-hmm. And and the fact that I don't always have these type of outlets to to explain or to, to have this conversation or for folks to even say, because even after I explain, you, you could bring somebody in here and people just vehemently disagree. And that yeah. is cool. Um, but the ability to just know at least where I'm coming from even if you disagree, um, I think is really important, and, and it's my responsibility to find those av- uh, outlets where I can, where we, where we can have these type of dialogue. I'm not yeah. gonna lie, like, and there was a, a period, like I said, been familiar for a while, and really, I, I've been disenfranchised with all Columbus politicians, the Columbus Democrats, like it. Yeah, I just been very disenfranchised. I felt like it, it wasn't real and that the people weren't people behind it mm-hmm. and um and like i just thought that the politicians here didn't care you know and and so like i was you know speaking about that and somebody hit me on the side it's like bro you don't know or whatever and then they said some other thing i'm like all right whatever but i'm glad that we had this conversation there was i agree with Tria in terms of it being refreshing because i tried my hardest to come in and be tabula rosa and just <laughs> not have like any pre- preconceived notions i wanted to just listen and hear um like what the reasoning was and like how you got here and why you do the things you do and all that and um it, it's definitely been a lot of clarity for me you know so because there may be times if you ever come back or ever want to come back where we do vehemently like debate with you yeah. and have and but i didn't i didn't i don't think we felt like this was that mm-hmm. Um, I think there is power in, again, understanding how this all is moving and why it moves yeah. the way it does and why you made the decisions yeah. that you made. And then there's a the space to be like, okay, well, I think this, this, and this it's was was not crazy. Cool, it's supposed cool to be shit, a whatever. Give and take, you know, push um, and pull. Because we do this for we do this for people, and I think that there are layers to this conversation. So I hope this isn't the only conversation no. that we ever have. Because I feel like this is just the surface of other things. And we like have I said, I would encourage. Or, I mean, there are other good people in city government, mm-hmm. elected official, and what people don't. I mean, those nine thousand people are Columbus residents. Most we've of been them. talking to some of those other yeah. people. Yeah, you know, like yeah. they 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 they're in there. They're fighting from the inside, and um, but there are the, oh, there are some elected officials like like. Shayla Favor that really get it. And oh, I, we're gonna get Shayla on the show for yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm trying. And like, I mean, my other colleagues. I mean, it's a lot mm-hmm. of many, several of my colleagues get it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I had asked you earlier. I did want to, but we're kind of out of time. Um, and, and so maybe it's something we ask later on. But mm-hmm. the way that our city council is made and, and the way that people get on it and like the appointees. I and hate everything. the appointment process. Yeah, I don't understand it enough. I don't think I like it. And it's so, terrible. I don't like it. It's terrible, but there also and I is. I assume that you liked it. So no, just I hear absolutely you say that is. I absolutely hate it. I think it's absolutely. Um, I think it's insane that like six people or so get to make that that kind of decision. Yeah. However, and literally, I changed the system. We work to change the system. Mm-hmm. But what I realized in trying to change the appointment process is that there aren't that many good ways to to fill a vacancy. 
Mm. Like, so, for instance, you had Erica Crawley on mm-hmm. last week, or a couple of weeks ago, and last, uh, for another episode, um, we had a commissioner, a commissioner that represents, I represent 915,000, the commissioner represents one point some million in our county. Yeah. Well, only the members of the Central Committee of the Democratic Party voted to appoint Erica to that. makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Like, there, like, appointment processes, this is how you fill vacancies, and there's not a good way. The only other way is to to hold another election yeah, right away. Special election? Because it would be like $1.5 million just to host hold that election for that one seat. And usually it, the seat would be open again in one one year. So like to set up an, an entirely different election cycle and bring out for, for that one uh, seat uh, when the appointment will only last until the next municipal election, which is usually next year. But it's a way to hijack that conversation, though. It's like, all right, because I know that I can be, my successor will be appointed, then it's like, I'll retire early so that we can appoint the next person. And then by the time it comes for the actual election, it's like you're running for re-election, even though it's not a... Well, you can say, again, in my leadership right now, Mm -hmm. I have, I'm running for re-election. Right. I have two two people that are running with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had two members. Lourdes and Lourdes Nick. And Nick. Okay. We had two members of Columbus City Council who could have done it the old way. The we old way meaning? Retire. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then we made appointments. We I, we did not do that specifically mm-hmm. because I don't think that's, I don't like appointments. So I asked them to stay on until the end of their term. And I, you know, and I'm running with candidates who have to now speak to the electorate instead of just me being able to appoint them first. And so, like, those are the changes that, you know, the ch- the system is changing, but I also am trying to do what I can to to make sure that my values are represented in the way that I lead. Okay. I think that's fair. At least the way that you said it. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I, I don't have no fact checkers or nothing with me. Well, but, I yeah. guess what my question would be mm-hmm. is, 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 was there, a, so so it's Lourdes, what's Lourdes' last name? Barossa Depedia. And then Nick Bankston. Mm-hmm. What about were there other people who were were there other people that could have well obviously there are other people yeah. that could have filled those vacancies but were there other people vying for those spaces? Um. So so uh, so what I chose what I in, in asking them to join my ticket what I what I asked them to do was join the petition that I circulated to get okay. on council and so anybody in the city during that period of time could circulate petitions to get on, on council. Um, some did. Most didn't get, get enough. I thought that he didn't get enough. Like Who? Nick. Nick, yeah. Nick didn't, and, but but I did on mine. Okay. And so that's so when then you added- I just pulled Nick on. Okay. And, and, and to me, it justified, at least he was running. You know what I mean? He was already okay. doing it on his own. Okay. And so me pulling him on was- And Lourdes did it too. She was already- she yeah, she run, made right. her, yeah, and yeah. she made it on her own. So right. me asking her like, "Hey, can we run? Let's do this together." Mm-hmm. Was just was made sense because they had our they were already running. Okay, I've been wondering, and I tr- I mean, and I think they're the right people for the the time. I really mm-hmm. do. I think uh, one of the things under my leadership, I really want to change what we consider diversity. The fact that we've only had black and white elected officials on city council that's this diverse mm-hmm. i'm really excited about um electing someone and she's a progressive as hell and that's why i think you should talk to her too um and and, and really understand where she's coming from her lived experiences growing up here in columbus um and and so I, I i think that she's right for columbus right now for this moment nick bankson is another kid from this city like came from columbus went to east high school you know was shot at a, at a high school party like and I didn't know he got shot. Yeah, Dang. yeah. Like, 
Wow. He I came up in, in Columbus. And yeah. so, like, he brings his own perspective to the city. And I think that um, I, I, they are the right people, in my opinion, um, for right now. I think my my critique of that would, would only be that I think that Nick is a known person. And I think that Lourdes is a known person. And I often just think about people just coming out of the gate, like, trying to get on council. There's a lot of there's a lot of challenges to do that it's because hard. you have people who have established names who have, you know, they already know somebody in council. They have relationships. Mm-hmm. They have, you know, endorsements from folks who are established politicians. That's what I think and makes then it like hard. like a popularity Not as, Well, uh, I guess th- that elections one are a popularity and t- contest. That one and then two, just like it does make it hard to get a foot in the door. How do you to get, get started? a foot in the door if so you don't the, have So one of the changes that we made, so the biggest <clears throat> impediment to getting on the ballot is you need a thousand valid signatures from Columbus voters. It is very difficult to get a thousand valid signatures and it is infinitely more difficult during COVID. Right. Yeah. Like it was very, very difficult to get those thousand signatures. Uh, when we go to the change in 23 that expands council and goes to the quasi ward system, uh, it low, we lowered the the threshold to get to run for council to I think it's five hundred, um, okay. and, and that and it might be lower than that um, to to run. Okay, and so like it's those those things that really open up the door to bring more people in and make it easier. So you believe in competitive elections? Then? Certainly. It just it, that's just surprising. Not for you, <laughs> not specifically, you, not for you specifically, but, but for just, a it Columbus seems like, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think like it makes a, us better. I want to beat them. Right. right, of course. You know, I will, like you I will, wanna, because then you know that you're the best. Like, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, 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 and like everyone yeah. yeah. thinks they're the best rapper. Right? <laughs> well, <I'm not>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is. It's like he's saying he wants to win, but like to, it feels like there's a lot of entitlement and stuff here in the city, where it's like, well, no, because I've always been here, or because I'm next up, that it's supposed to be next, and then I get to choose who comes after me. Well, I hope and, that people don't think in this conversation around like mayor that I feel that way because I'm council president. Mm. I certainly do not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I certainly expect that if I would run or not, that it would be a competitive election. Like mm-hmm. again, I think what it was is I said Columbus is growing up. We were used to be kids. We used to have kid politics. We used to play a certain mm-hmm. way. We're a grown up city now. We're getting there. From here on out, we're going to have competitive elections. Mm-hmm. Like the this last election that we just had here in Columbus, man. Like I hear what you're saying now. It just didn't feel like that. Which one? Which? Um, the the primary. For Congress between Beatty and uh, Morgan, hmm. like that didn't to me as a voter, like that left such a sour taste in my mouth. Those were two different. Those were two candidates that ran against each other, though. I agree, but it was about all the the different things that was happening around the city to give one candidate a leg up. Observing that from as a person that is not involved in politics in that way, it felt like it was very much like, "How dare you co- to Morgan? Mm-hmm. How dare you come in?" And challenge someone like Joyce, who has been here this long, done all these things. It was it, it and right that those things make sense. Yeah. Like she's she's established. She's been here sense? a long time. Well, you didn't let me finish. Okay, she's been here a long time. She she's done. She's been in politics this long. It 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 makes sense for people to think that she was the shoe in or whatever. But even listening to some, I, I went to several of those debates between Morgan and. And Joyce Beatty. And it felt like Joyce had very much of an air of like, 
how how are you even doing this? How dare you go against me? Like going and in that, with the open mind. You well, I went in with the open mind. Well, and I think we both said that because we were both. This was before even the podcast started. Mm-hmm. Is that we that we both kind of got that air of like, and it felt like well people don't want this this um this election to be competitive like and right. it should be it should not it, be I, that. I think every election should be a competitive and you sh- we shouldn't be offended by people running especially democrats running exactly. exactly but this is what i would say about congresswoman Beatty and like how but it's hard is like for you to give your life to public service and to have some of the fights that that you and I just didn't have because we were younger. Like, or, you know what I mean? Like, the world is a different place than that when Joyce Beatty entered politics and the fights that they had. And to feel like, you know, somebody just, I'm, and I'm not speaking for her, but, you know, I think she did feel like she had something to defend, like mm. a, a record to defend, and that she wanted to win, uh, to not not just to win, but because she, she believed that she was effective and she wanted to to continue, and I and I think that being competitive and like taking all the stops out when you're in a campaign, I think that that is fair game. Like I do think that that's fair game. Um, I, I, I but I also like the people that run against me. I, I have people run, Jasmine Ayers for for example mm-hmm. ran against me last mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Jasmine's one of my be- closest friends now. Like she, mm-hmm. I don't know if that helps her politics or nothing. But <laughs> I think she said on the show that, yeah, that you guys are friends you. and that and yeah, that yeah, she, she gets me together yeah. like she all the said, time. Yeah, now she did yeah, say that. The, yeah, she did say that. I just think even just from uh, from an optics standpoint, if we're saying that we want people to participate and to run and for the comp- the to elections to be competitive the way that i felt like joyce regarded morgan it made me feel sad being like a younger black woman and kind of seeing that i was just like i wish that it wasn't i don't don't think it had to be done that way Mm -hmm. there's a there's a way that you can compete and not have it come off that way and i i think that we're not necessarily going to agree on that obviously (laughs) but that that was yeah and like in future elections i know we're gonna dedicate full seasons just to talk about like elections and whatnot but um i I think that somebody if it's not us it might be us but somebody needs to just talk about how columbus politics itself Mm -hmm. are run you know and like break down the the pieces of the puzzle you know what i mean so elections specifically i think yeah um but yeah i i am glad that we had this conversation i'm glad that you took the time to come in and talk to us and i think that for me i learned a lot and i got a lot of insight into you as a person as a person and also why you made certain decisions and will make certain decisions how you see your job and how you see getting your job done i think this was an important conversation and it's 100 percent critiquable yeah Mm. okay and I mean, that, I, I could take you all if you if you, <laughs> you said follow you never me listen. on Instagram, <laughs> you will likely see me say things about you and other people often. Um, but I think you know you it's know that you job. signed up for that, and it's and part it of the job. Certainly. So so I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you. You have anything else that you want to leave the listeners with? No, that um, Columbus can't wait. We gotta be. We gotta be great right now because people are counting on us, and they're not. It's not just us. I say this often that the city that we live in right now is not because of anything that I've done in the last six years or seven years on council. It's not because of anything I've done in the last four years council president. It's because of what people did twenty years ago to 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 build the city that we're in. If that is if that premise is true, 
it means that it's what we do right now will determine what the Columbus that is a, a million more people, what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And so it's on us to make sure that it's equitable. It's on us to fix some of these issues that, uh, that our forefathers left us. It's on us to build a transit system that serves all of us. It's for us to feel, you know, if we really, if this, if, if this is our time to make sure that Columbus 20 years from now is something that we're proud of. And I think that we can do it. I know that we can do it. I'm 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 trying to be as optimistic as possible and I just want to I, I told you a couple minutes ago that I'm seeing you change like right before my eyes and the ways that you talk to the public and the things that you do and I want to I want to keep seeing you going that direction that direction yeah I ain't got nothing else to say <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Columbus Can't Wait, y'all. And before we go, we want to acknowledge that we are on the traditional territory of hundreds of different indigenous tribes and nations, including the Hopewell, Adena, Miamia, Shawanwaki, Shawnee, and Kaskaskia. Indigenous people are still here, and we want to acknowledge that we are on their land and recording this podcast. Have a good night, y'all.